Notice right at the top of the outline I've written a little statement, thank God for the church. There might be a lot of things that we're thankful to God for, but for a lot of people the phrase that rolls off the tongue, the first phrase, is not thank God for the church. We've got thank God for the salvos, thank God you're here, thank God it's Friday if you listen to the radio, or thank God for the weather last weekend, thank God that my footy team won, whatever. But thank God for the church. I was at Kurong Bookshop last year browsing. They've got a little section on church. And in, even in a Christian bookshop, it was depressing to see people's views on church. There was books like this, Saving Jesus from the Church. I'm fine with Jesus. It's Christians I can't stand. Quitting church. Love Jesus, hate church. They like Jesus, but not the church. And this last one, at the moment, is the top-selling worldwide book on church. If you go to Amazon.com and type in church, this is what you get. So you don't want to go to church anymore. I wonder what your attitude to church is. Because in the letter that we're looking at today, Paul and Timothy and Silas are thankful to God for the church. That's how the letter opens, with a prayer of thanks for this little church in Thessalonica. We've just been looking at the book of Corinthians where we have seen one of the most dysfunctional and bad examples of a church in the entire New Testament. You don't want to be like the Corinthian church, people arguing about their leaders, sexual immorality in the church, people in the church suing each other, people getting drunk at the church lunches. It is hard to think of a worse church than the Corinthian church. And yet, yet even there, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he begins by thanking God for that church. Even in the worst imaginable churches, the Apostle Paul is thankful because even though he sees the problems, he sees people who have been saved by God and who have been gathered together by God to be his people, and he's thankful. Now, if that is how thankful Paul can be for a messed up church, imagine how thankful he will be for a good church. And that is exactly what the church in Thessalonica is. They are a model church. They are a picture of what church should look like. In chapter 1, verse 7 of Thessalonians, Paul says about this church in Thessalonica, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia. Last week, if you were here, Bryson said, we can learn from the Corinthians' mistakes. Here, we can learn from what the Thessalonians got right. This is the church the Apostle Paul holds up as an example for other churches to be like. So what does a model church look like? If, we, if morning church wants to be a church where we can say thank God for morning church, what would that look like? Good music? Exciting worship? Flashy building? None of those things. What makes a model church, according to Thessalonians, is that people's lives have been changed by the gospel. That's what this whole chapter is about. And let's pick it up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We constantly remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour 
prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, Silas and Timothy, the three fellows who are writing this letter, are thankful for the Thessalonian church. What are they thankful for? That the Thessalonians' lives have been changed by the gospel. That's what makes them a model church. Notice he doesn't just thank God for their faith and hope and love. He thanks God that those things have resulted in action. Verse 3, they're thanking God for the work produced by faith. Thanks God for their labour, hard work, prompted by love, and for their endurance that comes from hope. In James 2, it says that faith without works is dead. Well, the Thessalonians' faith is not dead. It's the real thing. Their faith has resulted in work. They have a love that lives itself out in action. And they don't just hope for Jesus to return. It makes them, it changes their lives now. And as I've been preparing 1 Thessalonians over the last month or two, I think that's one of the things I love about Thessalonians. It is real, down-to-earth stuff. Following Jesus isn't just about a bunch of ideas that you believe. It's not just about agreeing with what the Bible says. It's about lives that are changed. Verse 3, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what can bring about that kind of a change in people's lives? We've all got things that we'd like to change about ourselves. Some change is easy, isn't it? I was visiting my brother Glenn. I had a go of his razor blade. I was using the old plastic disposable ones. He had this contour four-blade, you know, $20 razor. And I loved it. So when I got home, I changed my brand of razor blade. Now I enjoy shaving. It's changed my life. A change like that is a very easy change to make. There's changes that are a little bit harder. I tried dieting. I want to lose a bit of the tummy. About two, three weeks I lasted. That was hard. Try exercising. That's a change. Maybe you've tried changes like that. But some change is even harder than that, isn't it? How do you change attitudes that you've had for years and years, but you know they're wrong, but you can't change them? How do you change habits that are so ingrained they seem to be part of who you are? Ever tried changing something like that about yourself and you'll know that real change is hard. Sometimes it can feel impossible. But that is the kind of change that has been brought about in the lives of the Thessalonians. Deep change. In fact, look at the words Paul uses to describe this change right down the end in verse 9. They themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now this is real change. This is not some surface, superficial change in their behaviour. This is not just changing things like what you eat. This is the biggest change a person can make. The very thing that the Thessalonians live for has changed. I don't know if you remember, before Easter, we were doing a series on Romans and I was talking about some of the idols, the same word that is used here in Thessalonians, some of the idols that we live for in Australia. Money, happiness, sport. I wonder what it is that you live for. 
what is it that you want above anything else in life that if you had it, then your life would be happy? What's the one thing that for you would change everything? The love of another person? Popularity? What is that thing that you crave for, that you live for? That one, that, that most important thing that you live for, if that is not the true and living God, then it's an idol. It's a second thing that has become a first thing. Now the Thessalonians have been changed and their idols, the things that had number one place in their life, are not their idols anymore. They are now living for the true and living God. Now how does that kind of change happen in a person? How can we be changed so deeply that we live for God and not for other things? Verse 4. This is how the change came about in the Thessalonians. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. There's a few things going on in that verse. Firstly, not, not only but firstly, this change came about through the gospel, through a message, through the message that Jesus Christ has died, through the message that the Thessalonians can be forgiven if they trust in Jesus. Through the message that is described down in verse 10 that Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. That message about God's grace, that God wants to forgive us, that message changes people's lives. And so it's ironic, isn't it, that the harder we try on our own to change, to be better people, the less chance we have of changing. See, the more we try to change ourselves purely in our own strength, to be a better person by our own willpower, to patch up our own lives without God, the less chance we have of change because we're making ourselves more independent, less dependent on God. Now, sure, we can say change superficial things about our lives, but we can't change our hearts. Real change happens when we realise we can't change ourselves. The root of our problems is not bad habits. It's false gods. Real change happens when we experience God's forgiveness. Now, real change comes through the gospel and responding to it, but notice in that verse it's not just the words of the gospel. I can stand here this morning and talk to you about what Jesus did on the cross I can talk to you about forgiveness, but that doesn't necessarily change your life, does it? You can walk away from here unchanged. But what God does by his Holy Spirit is he takes the words of the gospel and he convicts people. He turns the light on. He shows people that the gospel is true. Maybe even you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, but somehow the words that you hear in the Bible, they ring true. You'd like to get away from them, but you can't. There's something about them. That is the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what verse 4 is talking about. We know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. 
That's why Paul is so thankful for the Thessalonian church. God, by his Holy Spirit, has turned people's lives upside down. They didn't just hear the message. It came with the deep conviction that the Holy Spirit brings. And look at how their lives have changed. Look in verse 6 at the results. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. See, their lives have been changed so that they become imitators of Jesus. And you go back to Acts 17 that was read earlier. The Apostle Paul and Silas, they were only in this little church in Thessalonica for three weeks, three Sabbaths. But in that short time, the Holy Spirit took the message and the Thessalonians' lives were changed. They turned from idols to Jesus. They became people that were joyful. Their lives became more like Jesus. How? Through the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. Now, I don't know if you ever hear um, this, but I hear the criticism around Dubbo sometimes that DPC is not a Holy Spirit-filled church. Is that true? Are we a Spirit-filled church? Well, it's easy to get defensive and thinking, well, of course we are a Spirit-filled church, but it's worth asking ourselves the question, isn't it? Because that may be a valid accusation. How would you test that out? What is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work? Well, it's good to be clear on that because according to 1 Thessalonians, evidence of the Holy Spirit at work is not whether you speak in tongues or not. Evidence of the Holy Spirit at work is not how warm and fuzzy your meetings are. Evidence of the Holy Spirit, verse 6, is joy. Joy in all sorts of hard circumstances. And evidence of the Holy Spirit, verse 5, is changed lives. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to the lives of people and he changes them. Now that's why in Galatians, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're the things about ourselves we want to change and be like. That is what God, through the gospel and the power of his Holy Spirit, wants to bring about in our lives as a church. And so evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life is whether you are showing those fruits of the Spirit, whether you are being changed to be, to be more like Jesus. And that's why Paul is so thankful for the Thessalonian church. He's excited about them. The gospel didn't just come with words. The, the Spirit accompanied the powerful message. In fact, their lives were changed so much that everyone around them is talking about it. They are the talk of the town. Look at verse 8. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaea. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. A few months ago, down in South Dubbo, in, uh, on the corner of um, Barracks Close and Thorby Crescent, 
a fellow got out his rotary hoe and started rotary hoeing up his front lawn, his council nature strip. Everyone started talking about it. What's he doing? Is he going to plant buffalo grass? Is he going to put in paving? Is he putting in a garden? And then it just sat there for a month. The talk settled down. The next month he's out there with the rotary hoe again, rotary hoeing it. Maybe he's getting the weeds out. What's he doing? A month later he's out with the whacker packer, packing it down and putting on top blue metal. And suddenly everyone is talking about it again. What's he doing? Is he going to turn his front nature strip into a road? How hot is that going to be in summer with the black? So on. The next weekend he's out there putting down sand. Everyone's talking about it. Maybe that, maybe he's making like a sand feature out the front. No one has a clue what's going on. The story closes the weekend later. He's out the front putting down artificial grass. Fake grass. It's like a mini putt-putt golf course. Fake grass in Dubbo, but it looks really nice. The autumn leaves fall onto it on the perfect green grass. It's the talk of the street. He's got the most perfect lawn in the street. Some people like it. Some people hate it. But everyone is talking about the change of the front lawn down on the corner. That's like the Thessalonians. Everyone is talking about how their lives have been changed. They are the talk of the town. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Archaea, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. See, the Lord's message has been ringing out from the Thessalonians, but who's doing the talking? The Thessalonians aren't talking. They're not going, it's not door knocking. It's not the, even the Apostle Paul who's doing the talking. It's everyone else. Outsiders are talking about the Thessalonians' faith in God. Have you heard about what happened with the Thessalonians? What are they saying about the Thessalonians? Verse 9, they are talking about the way the Thessalonians responded to the gospel. Verse 9, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. That was the talk of the town. Have you heard about the Thessalonians? They've stopped serving idols. Have you heard about the Thessalonians? Their lives have been completely changed. They are serving this Jesus who was raised from the dead. In fact, Paul says in verse 8, there is so much talk happening, he doesn't need to say a thing. And all this after just three Sabbaths of being taught about Jesus. No wonder Paul is giving thanks for this church. It is a model church. If every church was like this church, we wouldn't have books like Love Jesus, Hate Church. If every church was like this church, we'd have people talking about Jesus. So what should DPC look like? What should Morning Church look like? What should we be aiming for? What could we look like through the power of God's Spirit? Well, we could look just like this. Imagine if this is what people were saying about us. Have you heard about DPC? Those people are different. They're not interested in the things other people are interested in. They're living for Jesus. Have you heard about that church? God has changed their lives. Now, 
I don't know that that is the talk of Dubbo, but sometimes that happens. A few years ago now, ABC Radio rang Bryson and someone there had heard that people at our church drop in meals to people when they're having a baby. And that blew their minds that someone would get a meal dropped in by another person who wasn't their family. And so they interviewed Bryson on ABC Radio about it. That's unbelievers talking about changed lives. So sometimes we do get it right. God is changing people's lives. I see people's lives being changed by the gospel. I wonder if you're one of those people. I wonder what your friends say about you. I wonder what the talk is at school about your life. I wonder what your neighbours are talking about when they talk about you. Maybe they see you drive to church at 5 to 11 each Sunday morning. Do they see a changed life the rest of the week? How's your faith showing itself in works? How is your love expressing itself in labour? Because if your life is changed, people will notice. As you wait for Jesus to return, is the gospel ringing out from your life? They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are the true and living God. And thank you that Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. Father, we pray that we might put our faith in him and be filled with his love and have the hope of his return. But more than that, we pray that those things would change our lives. We pray that you would change us as individuals and a church so that we would be different. Father, we've got lots of things that we'd like to change about ourselves, but we pray that you might change us for Jesus' sake. We pray that you might turn us into people who love like Jesus loved, whose faith was put into action. And Father, as we are a church like that and as we are people like that, we pray that people would notice the difference and give glory to Jesus and come to know him. So please, Father, we pray that you would change our lives for your sake. Amen.